This is Jeffrey Aaron. Welcome to Flying Talkers. Today we're going to talk Uberizing logistics. Keep, we're going to keep on trucking with Uber Freight as it moves from coast to coast in America and on to the European market. Later, we'll recall Ron Davies, R.E.G. Davies, the great curator of air transport for 50 years at the Smithsonian, the National Air and Space Museum. Ron will recall some people like Frank Lorenzo, J.R.D. Tata, Donald Douglas, things that he told me in his apartment in McLean, Virginia, before he returned to England after 50 years serving as the top aviation historian in the world. Ron is gone now, but we have these valuable and treasured moments with him to share with you. So stay tuned. Flying Talkers podcast is made possible by ATC, One World, One Global Air Cargo General Service and Sales Agent, GSSA. ATC is your key to the air cargo market, both local and internationally. ATC is the best air cargo team in the business. Leon Ron is a 42-year-old Israeli-born businessman that in 2016, along with Anthony Lewandowski and some others, co-founded Otto, a self-driving truck company. Both Leon and Anthony went on to work at Uber after Uber bought Otto in 2016. But then Anthony was fired from Uber after a dust-up wherein the executive was accused of stealing Google's self-driving car trade secrets for use in Otto's technology. Ron jumped from Uber after Uber paid Google parent company Alphabet $245 million to settle the dispute. Well, in 2019, Leo Ron is back at Uber Freight now that Uber has finally closed the deal for auto trucking that is currently operating as a standalone entity as part of the Uber firmament. In the USA, Uber Freight connects 48 states and reportedly generates more than $125 million in quarterly revenues. Quote, we fundamentally believe, Ron said, that there's a new area of opportunity in logistics. Technology streamlines things, connects things, and builds trust in physical networks. Quote, with the logistics market currently representing 12% of global GDP, Ron said, there's an even greater need for solutions that bring value to trucking industry stakeholders besieged by rising costs, a 98% driver turnover rate, and a litany of inefficiencies ranging from long delays in facilities to empty miles in which trucks run with vacant trailers, end quote. Quote, logistics is running in the wrong direction and the entire ecosystem is struggling, Ron maintains. So, safe to say, 
Uber Freight is about reimagining trucking? Well, according to Ron, recent technological developments such as mobile-enabled workforce, fully connected assets, and an intelligent self-learning network allow Uber Freight to match carriers and shippers to create logistics on demand. That's a quote. Quote, we want to connect the right truck at the right time, with the right shipper, the right price, and Mr. Wright says he wants to make this entire process as streamlined as possible. Ron says the viability of self-driving trucks means that a driver could begin a trip at an origin facility and then transfer that load to a self-driving truck for ramp-to-ramp highway haul before another local driver receives the load and delivers it to the final destination. The fabled first and last miles remain critical, Ron said. Ah, the fabled first and last miles. Well, this is going to be a long game to play, and there's plenty of room for numerous players, Leo Ron concluded. Phase two, Uber Freight Europe. In Europe, Uber Freight Germany started up July 24th, just a couple of weeks ago, 2019, under Daniel Buskowski, Uber Freight's head of European expansion. They're about securing part of Europe's $500 billion trucking market. Germany is the second EU country to receive service on the continent after the Netherlands was announced March 20th, 2019. In Germany, Uber competes against local operators, including Sender, a company based in Berlin. Interestingly, Uber's attempts to operate its signature passenger services in Germany have been limited to eight cities after local taxi companies, politicians, and other courts blocked further advancement. We'll follow this story. We invite you to stay tuned. This is Jeffrey Aaron. This is Jeffrey Aaron, as we recall the greatest aviation historian, Ronald Edward George R.E.G. Davies, curator of air transport, the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, who died Saturday, July 30, 2011, in Shaftesbury, England, at 90 years old. Ron's legacy to aviation is captured in 25 books and other social efforts and are as pioneering and important in scope as many of the subjects he wrote about, including Lindbergh, Earhart, the Berlin Airlift, and almost every major airline in the world, past and present. Although we were friends and colleagues and even tackled a few projects together during our three decades, the last talking session we had was inside Ron's apartment in McLean, Virginia, in 2010. For no particular reason other than my need to capture moments in both words and pictures, I had brought along a small digital camera. I recorded the entire 90-minute conversation, never knowing that this scrap of footage would be the last ever taken of my dear friend. We shared some moments with Ron Davies, recalling the interviews and travels, having landed at some point and been greeted on the Normandy beaches of France in 1944, and later globetrotting for Douglas and de Havilland aircraft builders, and even later for Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum, circumnavigating the planet again and again, coming and going. 
We asked who were the most memorable people he met during his long tenure as the Dean of Aviation Writers and Historians. Sir, you're coming, coming to the end of a very long and distinguished career. Could you tell me, sir, who's the most interesting person you met or a couple of people that you met that made an impression upon you that you think about today? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, dear. Sure. You should have given the advance notice because <laughs> I, I mean, I'm getting old, so I've met so many people. I think the most recent one is Frank Lorenzo. Yeah. The notorious Frank Lorenzo. He's very interesting. And every time I've met him, when I was doing the uh, doing my book on Continental Airlines, I interviewed him in 1984, and uh, I found him. He's the uh, devil incarnate, according to all the pilots. But I found him to be a perfect gentleman. Yeah. What was it about him? I mean, just his mannerism, or what? Well, he, I how he asked, thought about? I. It was just when. Uh, Continental Airlines, he'd just broken up Continental Airlines because yeah. the pilots wouldn't talk to him about reduce. That was when Continental was losing one and a half million dollars a day. Yeah. And nearly all the employees at Continental, including Lorenzo himself, had taken a pay cut and the pilots wouldn't even talk to him. And yeah. I interviewed him and he said, uh, I was his secretary who only retired recently, Millie. Uh, Millie said, oh, yes, I'll arrange a meeting for you at 6 o'clock this evening. He'll spend a few minutes. Um, I, he gave me almost an hour, and we just chatted, and he explained to me. He said, I, how can you... Uh, he said, I'm... And that's when he closed down the airline, if you remember, and the pilots got their revenge later. Yeah. But, um, I, and I'm going to interview him again at his ranch up in New Jersey soon. So he's one of the most people I've, but I, I, uh, I, I, oh, I must tell you about, I once had tea with J.R.D. Tata, the founder of Air India. I was at a conference in Delhi, uh, at a big um, conference of the uh, uh, Travel Association Group International, PATA, yes. Pacific Area Travel Association, they yes. were holding their annual session in uh, Delhi and in the Ashoka Hotel and JRD had a suite of rooms and I phoned his secretary and said would it be possible to interview him. He invited me up for tea and I sat across rather like this and with a, they brought in a tray of tea and cakes and I had tea with JRD Tata. Yeah. I'm very proud of, of that. What did you ask him? I just asked him, or very general, about it. Yeah. And he was the man who founded Air India. And 50 years later, he flew the same aeroplane to uh, to England. Wow. 50 years later, he was a great player. And, of course, in the end, the uh, bureaucrats in Delhi got rid of him, and uh, Air India started to go downhill. Yeah. Would Freddie Laker be somebody? I, yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Freddie. Yeah. Oh, knew Fred very well. Yeah. And uh, his wife made a lovely cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was. I remember. I was standing at the loo once at Douglas because I was head of market research at Douglas, 
Douglas Aircraft. The gents Lou, and the boys said, I said, hi, Ron, and there was Fred next to me. Jeez. Did, did he ever tell you about flying monkeys into, uh, in, into London on converted Lancaster bombers from India during no, when they were doing that? I, I guess he was probably one of them. They, they did yeah. it for... Um, scientific research yeah he, well they always try to keep it kind of hush hush I'll tell you one thing you know one of the airplane British airplanes yeah uh, the uh, Avro Tudor yeah I remember Peter Maysville for well Peter Maysville has to be yeah I worked for Peter Maysville directly wow. as one of his staff for nine nine years wow and I remember at the ministry in 1947 when the Tudor was they were trying to resurrect it and he came into the office and we were talking about it. And he said, I know two things about the Tudor. I do not know which is the Ruder. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah. I got, I got a, uh, I, my picture is in, uh, Sir Peter Maysfield wrote his book. And, uh, before leaving BEA, where he was the head man of yeah. what you call a president, he had a picture taken of all his staff. and. I'm, I'm in that picture. Yeah. So Peter Maysfield and Freddie Laker. And I must mention Clarkson. Richard Clarkson. Oh my goodness! Yes, he was the chief aerodynamicist of of um, De Havilland for, and I came theoretically under him. I was in. Uh, I was head of market research there. I started the market research group there, and I. He was a, an acerbic individual, uh, highly intellectual. He did all the beautiful aerodynamics of those beautiful de Havilland aeroplanes. And he was, uh, he, he used to, he used to ride the, uh, uh, ride to the hounds. <laughs> and, uh, but he was known, you had to be careful with him. He was a very, uh, uh, he couldn't stand falls glad, uh, gladly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he, he couldn't couldn't tell he couldn't stand many intelligent people kindly either <laughs> and I always remember at one meeting I was a quite junior I was a I was a manager but I went to a meeting once to discuss some esoteric subject about the new aeroplane and there were about four or five directors at his meeting we all sat around a table and uh, after about three quarters of an hour discussing this, he said, right, uh, let us uh, sum up what our conclusions, and he asked each one of us, we, we went round the table one by one, and asked what they thought, and I was the last one, and the most junior, and by the time it got to me, uh, everybody else had already said what I was going to say, so I thought, I can't just repeat it, I better think of something. So I said something, I thought I said something, and there was a long silence when old Clarkson, uh, he didn't dare interrupt his long silences, and he said, well, thank you, Davis, for that penetrating statement of the obvious. <laughs> and ever since then, I've learned never to say anything if I've got nothing to say. <laughs> Well, that does it for our broadcast today. That was fun, wasn't it? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for your time this time. Until next time. This is Jeffrey Aaron. 
saying, keep them flying. Air Cargo. Goodbye. Speak to me. Good, Lou.